If you're listening to this and on an Android device, you should check out the Podcast Republic app on the Google Play Store. Thousands of people have chimed in to tell you how great it is, so you don't have to trust this one podcaster. So head on over to the Google Play Store and check out the Podcast Republic app and see if it's right for you. If you're listening to this the month it's released, don't forget that it is Listener Request Month. We need you to help us program the show in May. You call 856-DISSECT. The number is written out on the Twitter, and I don't have it in front of me, so you can use your touchtone pad. I believe in you. If you're an international user... Uh, you can send a voice memo to dissectingthe80s at gmail.com with this information. We need your name, where you're calling from, the movie you'd like to hear us do, and a little brief description of it, you know, why you think it's a good episode or, or what have you. We'd love it if you weren't trying to torture us, but uh, I guess that's that's up to you out there in listener land. Uh, you garbage bail kids. You've got until the clock tolls midnight at the end of the final day of March. Once it's April, it's all over. The last no April echo Fool's Day submissions of the last bell of midnight. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Eight five six dissect. We'd love to hear from you. Can't wait to see what's coming up next. Welcome to dissecting the eighties. I am Trip Lano, one half of the Mega Podcasting Powers, and with me, as always, is a man who is also wearing an eye patch while doing this recording, although you can't possibly see it, the Macho Mandrew. Andrew Lano. I'm also wearing a full lace wig that gives me the Kurt Russell hair. <laughs> I was going to say, are you accusing Kurt of wearing a wig? Because how di- first, how dare you? No. Second of all, where, where do you, what gives you the right? I honestly, if that came out that like Kurt Russell has been bald, since 1980 (laughs) i think i would need to like take a day off of work and just like (laughs) you remember cameron how cameron's just laying in bed in in the semi-dark singing softly to himself that would be me yeah if they were like hey turns out kurt russell's been bald since 1980 and it's all been a wig yeah no that would be that'd be pretty wild uh we are early in the kurt 80s ouvoir here, this is uh, a, almost exactly one year after used cars. The this movie drops. Oh, that's interesting. Nineteen eighty one. Because he, I, I read that he like campaigned for this role because he like wanted to shed his Disney image. But used cars is very much like a Miley Cyrus rejection of Disney. Well, I, I I totally agree with you there, and I almost wonder if it's like, look, I can. All the Disney stuff was comedy, so like I was doing a much edgier comedy, but it was still comedy, and this is maybe okay. me trying to like reach for, you know, not me, right? but like maybe this is the reach for the action vibe, because he ended up doing a lot of, uh, <laughs> several of them dull as dishwater, but lots I of mean, action he's got the movies. body for it. Yeah, yeah, and he has, yeah, he, he's like perfect 80s cut in this, it's not like all the human growth hormone you can it's jam like into a body. Billy and... St- Billy, is is that the mean lifeguard in Stranger Things? Yeah, I was actually really impressed that they didn't give him. Well, they were like he, they gave he him was appropriate. Like, it was really hard to do because he had just come off of Power Rangers, where they were like oh, shred, shred, know. shred. He was the Red Ranger. Yeah, I was one of eight people that saw Power Rangers and liked it. <laughs> um, was looking forward to that sequel that they teased at the end, but he got like shredded, 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 and then they got Stranger Things, and they were like, "You need to not do that." But like you still need to be defined. You need to be like muscled, but like a little soft. So he was like, right. I had to work, like figure out very specifically what to do to get my body like a little thin layer over it. 
Right. It's it's just bonkers. Like the pictures you see of Kumail Nanjiani, and I like him a lot. Like I hope that he's this ripped. is a big. Yeah, he's in one of the new Marvel things, and he looks like he looks like a monster. Who is he? Do you know? <laughs> I I off the top of my head, I do not. Um, but he got cast in something. This is like going back pre-pandemic that he Kumail. Kumail got shredded. Excuse me. Um, it, it's just like <laughs> he was in perfect. Like he was in. He wasn't. Let, let's be. You know, he was in normal shape, right? Normal he was human like not shape. Pre- yeah, he was in. A, he took care of himself clearly. Um, and it's like for a guy who would do so much stand up about food and talk like food is such a big part of the big sick, which is such a personal movie for him and all those business. And then you see this guy with like 42 abs and you're like, I guess you haven't had any biryani in a while. Hey, pal, I guess you're not Kumail biryani anymore. eh? yeah, I don't, you always, know, he can't eat it always rice. annoys me when I see comedians get like jacked beyond belief. I'm like, how dare you? <laughs> We trust some of us. We trusted you. Some of us are funny because we have to be, because we can't have that. <laughs> Once you have that, we take your funny card. <laughs> yeah, I like him a lot, and I, I, I'm, I'm good for him. I know he's a big comic book person. I'm sure he's over the moon to be doing a comic book movie. But I just, you see these. And the other one that I always found so funny was, um, gosh, he. Uh, da, 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 da. I want to say, J.K. Simmons, like. J.K. Simmons from Allstate and and yeah and yeah, J. yeah, Jonah yeah, Jameson? yeah yes I thought it was J.K. Simmons who played Commissioner Gordon in that uh, Batman Justice League do you know the Bat- oh the new one the like yeah I don't know I don't watch those whoever okay just to, to not to not people are out there like this this is a podcast about Escape from New York we tangent too early uh anyway the guy who played commissioner gordon in the new ones he posted a picture where he looked like that and i'm like you're commissioner gordon you're not a superhero like just <laughs> you're super in a- an old man <laughs> yeah just because you're in a superhero movie doesn't mean you need to look like us like next thing we know it's gonna be like aunt may's been doing body by bar and it's just like marissa Tomei lifts up her shirt and it's just like rippling abs and she's just like kicking people into oblivion I mean, probably. Uh, the multi- <laughs> anyway, the multiverse is coming to Spider Man. So <laughs> yeah, ex- who knows? exactly. Yeah, Spider May. Yeah, Spider May. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all that to say, Kurt Russell is in like great shape in this movie. Perfect and if 80s you put bod. him, if you put his 1981 physique up against somebody now, forty years, forty forty years later, they would be like, ha, "Look at that fat idiot." Yeah, it's sad. Anyway, we are, of course, celebrating Kurt Russell all month long here. It's his 70th birthday this month. Happy birthday, Ooh. sir. Also kind of wild to think he is four years younger than me. When it, it, Well, at least four, maybe five years younger than me in this movie. So he's my age in this movie? He's 30. He's turning 70 now. Oh, this movie's wow. 40 years old. <laughs> but but I mean, I, I think Kurt at 30 looked older in the face than I do, which yeah. is probably harder living. That's true. <laughs> I, I would guess. I mean, that Disney schedule has got to got to work a toll on you. For sure. And also, you know, drugs and alcohol that he presumably did in some quantities or another. Yeah. Yeah. By 30. Uh, anyway, so uh, this is WrestleMania. Oops, all carpenters. We're celebrating the collaboration between these gentlemen uh, that I love so much. I did not. I'll preface right now. I did not get a chance to listen to commentary on this. I do own this this movie I would have on, loved on to DVD. To this one too. Yeah, I didn't get a chance to. I'm really going to try to for the thing, which is coming to Patreon soon. So if you're not on the Patreon and you want to hear uh, 
my my personal favorite of their collaboration, uh, the thing that'll be up there later this month. That's patreon.com slash dissecting the 80s. Ding. We watched Escape from New York, so you know what that means. We gotta go back. We gotta go dissect the 80s. It's your video game movie without the video game. Someone's gotta find about your video game movie without the video game. When the mega powers explode. I'm talking about the 80s. Oh, yeah. Great Scott. Cream of the crop. Oh, 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 yeah. Mega powers, yeah. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. So the year is 1997. The United States has experienced a 400% rise in crime. Well, no, that happened in 88. That's true. It started in, like, the the crime rate. Crime rise in 88, yes, I'm sorry. It's not explained when, was it in 88 that New York became the the prison, or just sometime between 88 and 97? (laughs) It's, It's... it 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 puts a lot of words up, but it's sort of the definition of talking a lot and not really saying anything because it says things, but it doesn't really explain how we no. got here. It also gives what I think might be one of the worst opening credit sequences because it's literally a closing credits. It's just a it's bl- just a black screen black. with white text yeah. and no like shots of New York. Like this would have been a great place to have like. Some shots of decrepit New York overrun by criminals or, you know, the government making, you know, order. This is what we're going to do. Or, you know, what else I think would have made total sense is like you have Snake in the future courtroom and like it's all silent. But it's like you see the judge banging a gavel and him being let out in handcuffs. And then you're seeing like Snake getting processed and like walk down a long hallway. Even if it's just even if they just took this long hallway sequence made it 20% longer and slapped the credits over it, I would have been fine with that. I would too. Although I have to say, it gave me a chance to see all of the wonderful names that are in this movie. Because I yeah, I started, yeah. I tend to write down like in the opening credits of one of our movies, if it's like a name that I love, I'll write down their last name in an exclamation point to be like, oh, Bernadette Peters or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started to do that and realized I had written six names down. I was like, this is too much. <laughs> This is too. I much. mean, we have some we have some heavy hitters. We in the do, show. but also like, why is literally everyone in this movie in the op- like the opening credits don't have to be everybody. It can just be <laughs> right, like right. John Car. Because also, I love that everything is John Carpenter's. Yes, like he started that with Halloween and kept it going, and it's such a boss move. Yeah, to be like, oh no, and my it- name is first. <laughs> I mean, it it. It's supposed to be a blank, blank film. You know, the filmmaker's name goes there and, uh, you know, different people do it differently. But he is one of a handful of people where I'm like, you don't have to put it there and you would know. And so therefore it's earned. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's always it's like Mustafa Akkad presents John Carpenter's Halloween. Yeah. Like I'm getting in there. Right. But like, for example, any James Cameron movie, you could put James Cameron's blank, but you don't need to because you can see it. Yeah. Right? Like, you know what it is. And and honestly, I don't care for the man's particular flair, but I feel like you could almost do that with a Michael Bay. Well, we put Michael Bay's tra- like Michael Bay's Transformers. I'm saying he is such a signature style yeah, that it's I like, can agree with that. yeah, Tim yeah, Burton I don't too. care for the man, but yeah, yeah. Burton for sure, for sure. Uh, I was trying to do this in a way that didn't 
involve me dunking on Ron Howard. So I was trying to be nice <laughs> instead of mean. I'm trying to be a nicer person. Ron Howard's <laughs> vanilla ice cream. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ron Howard's store uh, brand vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> None of the bells and whistles. <laughs> None of the flex the of vanilla beans. makes it great. <laughs> what did you say? The blandness makes it great. <laughs> it's also got so many fillers in it, it's like chewing gum. <laughs> None of the pesky vanilla bean flakes. <laughs> uh, anyway, I like how I patted myself on the back so hard for not dunking on him that I dunked on no, him you gave, accidentally. You, instead, of, instead of doing it yourself, you tossed it to me so that I could do it. <laughs> It was an alley-oop, and then after the ball went through the hoop, I picked it up and dunked it again. Uh-huh. I was like, ugh! That one didn't even count! I just wanted to show you I could do it! <sighs> At least my joke was meaner about cheap ice cream. I'll take some solace in that. It was. I didn't know uh, Nick Castle wrote or or directed, which yes. I learned going to his Wikipedia right after, because uh, he directed Dennis the Menace from the 90s. Yeah, yeah. They so they were kind of like film student filmmaker collaborator buddies. You know, they probably did a little bit of everything on each other's projects. Is sort of the deal that mm-hmm. I, the impression I got, uh, and that's why he ends up in Halloween because it's like shooting for cheap. I always just I I think I just always assumed that Halloween was like he was a uh, he he was just like a PA or crew or someone like right. working, and he was like I fit into the jumpsuit, and right. they're like great, put on the William Shatner mask. I think you are right, except also they are friends. I well, think it's yeah. like basically that, you know, I think it's pretty close. But I, 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 I had this thought and I lost it and I got it back. and I don't want to lose it again. Uh, I think the reason why there's so many names in front is because I think everybody was working very, very cheaply on this. And I think it was uh, pot- potentially this part of the I, pay, part of the contract pay. I, I don't even know if it's like contract thing. I, I, I think of it as sort of like a. Hey, you did me a favor, so here's me giving you the the most respect I can. I make sure your name is prominently up there twice. Um, who knows if that's true? I mean, I'm certainly the folks weren't working for for peanuts no. on this; they got paid. But uh, it, was it was the largest budget movie. so far for yes for a carpenter. This also yeah. reading these credits just feels like John Carpenter School for gifted filmmakers. Like it's just his, it's just <laughs> everyone he's worked with. It's like Adrian Barbeau. Uh, Nick Castle, Deborah Hill, and uh, <laughs> Kurt Russell. It's like, oh, every name. I get the impression when you listen to him talk in interviews and stuff, it's like most of the things he did were pretty personal in terms of like he put a lot of himself into it. Like he, he really yeah. cared about it. He wasn't like directing for hire, although he did do those things too. And I think it was like the times that he strayed from that. He maybe I don't know. I'm not I don't want to put words in the guy's mouth, but it's like you have the experiences you have. And so Especially in, you know, I, I know it's like, it's hard to conceptualize this as any person with a real job, but making movies is not easy. Like the actual yeah. work of making movies is not From easy. The, the even, A to Z of making a movie is not easy. Right, right. And so even like the process of being on set is like its own sort of ebb and flow. And it's it's a challenging thing. And like, I've made one like student ish movie. I'm not like some, you know, I'm not some secret director here, but it's like, it's challenging. It's its own type of difficult work. I know that sounds ridiculous to people. And I I understand what you're saying. It's like, it's not manual labor, certainly, but it is, it is, it is mentally taxing and it's a creative force you have to work on. Anyway, 
the the idea that you would want to pack the room with as many people you like as possible just completely makes sense oh, to me. For sure. It's like the process can stink and this at least makes it tolerable. So that's that's why I always just every time I see a, f- a filmmaker who has like a sort of crew of people that they cycle in and out of it's like oh of course they do because they like to be around those people and this job is not always fun and so people who make it fun are valuable yeah for sure so amazing matte paintings of new york here yeah and i love the thing they did which i I, i'm sure it's not the first time it's been i'm certain it's not the first time it's been done but the first i remember in a long time i love the real shot of the water and then the matte painting over the far edge of it across the river for New York. Yeah, it was it's hard to it's hard to notice at first. Right, right. Which is good. That's a you know mark yeah. of a good effect. Oh, this movie's on HBO Max currently at the time of recording. Yes, it is. Yes. Uh so there's a there, we get this information, we see then we cut from a big wall around the island of Manhattan and we see a raft in the water and a helicopter swarms over it and basically is like turn around or we'll kill you and the people on the raft do not turn around and get blown to smithereens. There's a nice dummy. Um Yeah. So this, I was watching this because I don't think I've ever seen this all the way through. I've seen like bits okay. and pieces and I was like, oh, this is where they got the inspiration for Arkham City. Oh, for sure. Is this movie. And I was like, oh, so like going into it with having played Arkham City like four times at this point, probably. I was like, my brain was like, I could use a few. I could. I wish that they could have grabbed some Arkham City and sprinkled it in to help sure. flush a few things out. Yeah, th- this movie is very obviously influential in a whole number of ways. Oh, like yeah. I, you and I were joking and texting anybody who's ever played a Metal Gear Solid game. Solid Snake <laughs> is just Snake Plissken. It's it is just this character with a different haircut. Uh, but I think you know the look of this. But he has a bandana, of, so something flows in the wind. Yes, that's true. That's true. the The overall look of this, the set decoration, the the design of this movie is hugely influential. Uh, James Cameron worked on this as a matte painter or, um, I didn't know he did that. Yeah. So I I might be getting the matte painting part wrong. He was part of the technical side crew and I believe he was part of the crew that later in this, that I'll just say this now, it's kind of irrelevant, but later there's a shot of, it looks like wireframe New York city as the, uh, drone flies over the city, Mm -hmm. not the drone, the little thing snake is in. They couldn't make that with a computer at the time. They're just, it was too powerful. Like it was needed too much power. So they made it by taking their little scale model of New York, covering it with reflective tape and shooting it with the lights off. They made this wireframe. I've, I've heard physically. I've heard that for, and I've all, and a similar, I don't remember. It's, I think it's a movie we did where they like, they filmed it and then they like did the negative of it and, and, Painted mm. the whites green or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I th- I, that that would also make sense. Uh, that might have been a predator thing. I'm not sure. Maybe, but I remember That's, that. Being... That sounds kind of predatory. It's so this movie is set in quote the future. Yeah, this movie is set in quote unquote the future, but it doesn't necessarily feel futuristic, which I think is probably why they only set it ten years in the future. I I mean. I, I feel like the tech feels like pretty f- dystopian future tech. It's it is to me. It's like seventy percent, like sixty to seventy percent there. Like it's not mm. as forward as um, the Running Man. Like how the Running okay. Man world feels like almost the Jetsons. Yeah, this doesn't feel like the Jetsons Xenon the Xenon Girl of the twenty first century. It feels more just like it feels ten like uh, really like 
Disney-fied, ver- like how Disney's like, 10 years in the future, we'll have flying, we'll have this stuff. Yeah. I, th- I I think part of the reason, I hadn't watched this movie in a long time, and I do like this movie, and I- I, I do too. I want to be clear about that. Yeah, I have mostly positive things to say about this movie, but I think part of the reason that this movie doesn't land as well for me as it probably did in the past is- it's set in a sort of dystopian near future where there's this like crazy police surveillance state. And there's a lot of things that this movie kind of predicted about the world that we actually live in now. Like yeah. the, the, the joke is sort of like they turn Manhattan into a penal colony, but not, it's not a joke, but like they turn Manhattan into a penal colony and they're constantly surveilling it for, you know, whatever nefarious purposes. And it's like, well, the world I live in, I'm just literally constantly surveilled by all sides. Mm-hmm. Every time you go out in public and most people I know are buying cameras and microphones to station around their house for various conveniences. I have Google. I have so it's like, you're either being monitored by something. Yeah. Our parents have cameras in their house. Like for like, they are trained at the door for security things. And it's just like, but like the, you know, people have the, the doorbell camera and whatever. And I, this is, not the place for trips, tinfoil hat conspiracy <laughs> theories. But I'm just saying is like the movie trips the, pulled the, 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 uh, <laughs> the, the tube television into the closet. He's put on the tinfoil. I'm not that bad. I just I just don't want to put cameras and microphones in my house that gives anybody carte blanche to access them. That's all. That's fine that other people do. I'm not gonna ever have an argument about it. Except for when like people are trying to give me them. And I was like, I do not want that. Thank you. Please do not give it to me. That's how I got my first uh, one. My friend got yeah. one for free from a company, and he was like, "Yeah, that's how no, they look." I have no desire for this, and I was like, "I do." Yeah. yeah, I've I've had multiple times. Someone's like, "I got three of these from something," and I was like, "Well, I don't want it. Sell it on the Facebook Marketplace or something, but keep it away well, from me." I will take one in the future <laughs> if, if if it comes up again. Um. Anyway, what what I think hurts this movie a little bit is that the the scary future it's predicting is here. In many ways, obviously, we didn't turn Manhattan into a penal colony, no. but you know, we 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 do have the surveillance that this movie is scaring you with. Well, I also think that because studios are a thing and marketability is a thing, because this movie was written in the seventies when Watergate happened, right? So it's it is originally, I'm sure, very jaded about the government. Yes, and in this version. It's a little sterilized, like what we get, because I, I was I was watching it and I was like, well, I don't am I supposed to side with the president or am I supposed to side with Snake? Because objectively, they're not on the same side. No, not even close. And it's it just it was never explained like, oh, because in in Arkham City, it you learn that like the guy who who runs Arkham City throws anyone who opposes him in there. So, like, right. as soon as you get on his bad side, like, as soon as you're not useful to him anymore, the mayor goes in. Like, people who are supposed to be yes. politically powerful get thrown in the jail. And you start to be like, oh, so it's super corrupt. This doesn't explain or imply that the system is corrupt. Yeah. It just says I, I, crime is up, so we had to, we made one giant jail, and it's New York City. And that's where all the all the criminals go. And it's like, okay, that's not a good thing, obviously. Like, that is not yeah. a good thing, but... That right. in in does not inherently imply like this is a corrupt system. It just says, "Hey, yeah. we're we're overwhelmed." 
I I read it the way you're describing Arkham City because I have read other I have watched and read and consumed other things set in places like this and that is always part of it. Yeah. But they don't say it here and I agree with you. I think it would be better. But you get little glimpses of the creepy dystopianness uh to get back to the the movie Snake's walking down the hallway and there's a voice over the intercom Jamie Lee Curtis? that's like Yes, yes, but the voice in the intercom specifically says if you've chosen if you oh, decided to terminate, let someone terminate. know and we can, okay. we can cremate you on the premises. Yes. So it's like, we'll just we'll just kill you if you would rather die than take this punishment. And like that has a little bit of this overtures toward this dystopian stuff that this movie so clearly wants to be, but just doesn't doesn't do a lot of. Mm-hmm. I also want to take a quick second. We are introduced quickly to two of the cops that will follow through most of this. The one is uh, horror icon Tom Atkins, who mm-hmm. is certain to come back on this podcast. Oh, yeah. uh, Mr. Halloween 3, <laughs> which we, Must we have be one the of these days. Of a witch. And uh, Night of the Creeps, which I also really like. And also um, the remake of My Bloody Valentine, which we did our little road trip oh, and went to right. all those locations uh, for. He gets his jaw popped off, right? Yes, yes. We took pictures on that porch. That house was for sale. <laughs> oh, that's right. I was like, I really hope we didn't, weren't just like. No, no, no. It, it was It was literally like we drove up to the house because we drove across that cool bridge that's mm-hmm. in the movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's uh, out in Western Pennsylvania. We drove it's across the bridge. Yeah. And I had, <laughs> I had like pulled up a bunch of locations for the movie and i was like oh this house is filmed in a bunch like i don't want to disturb these people and i'm not going to take pictures of this person's house we'll just drive by it and look is like what else are we doing we're on this little road trip um and we got there and there was a for sale sign in the yard i was like come on let's go on the porch (laughs) like it's for sale there's no yeah yeah and it looked it looked vacant and not just for sale it looked vacant and for sale so i was like all right let's go yeah no it didn't look like anyone was currently living there there were yeah there were yeah there were no signs of life and and like a bunch of newspapers on the driveway or something like that there was there was obvious signs that we could we we didn't feel like super creeps were stepping onto this porch no um, but yeah, I think that, oh, and the other is, sorry, 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 sorry. The other is Lee Van Cleef, who was in the good, bad and the ugly. Uh, he's the yes. balding, uh, police supervisor, uh, person. He's huge number of films that Lee Van Cleef. I really like him in this. Yeah. He's Cause, excellent. I Cause think. at he, first you're like, oh, you're going to be the, you're going to be a villain. And then it's like, no, you're just kind of a hard ass. Yeah. I mean, he is not a good guy, but he is also not the like. mustache twirler you think he is i think i mean i think he's a better he's yeah he's a better guy than you than you anticipate him being because in the end when he was like we'd make a hell of a team snake i'm like you would i would love i would watch the hell out of that movie (laughs) yeah it would he's the guy in the van he's the tom arnold to your schwarzenegger exactly yeah um but yeah i think the movie if uh, i needed a little more corruption like outright to show that like because we see the the prison and and snake getting you know walked down because he's too cool for school, and then we immediately cut to Nurse Marion Chambers, uh, or Mary yeah Marion Chambers, uh, hijacking yeah. the president's plane, and we don't see how she did it, and right. she's giving this speech about like the the oppressed class, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm behind the oppressed class, so like what yeah what are we doing, right? Is it? And I was like. Because then there's no follow up of like when they cut to the president getting into the pod, there's no like, oh, you know, here, burn these documents that show that we only incarcerate, you know, black people or it's, right. you know, your political adversary, like something. Yeah. And I, I, I 
part of it is probably studio stuff. It would be my guess. And the other part of it is Snake Plissken isn't the man of the people hero that you would expect. He doesn't go into the prison with you. He doesn't give a shit. Right. He cares only about himself, and his life has clearly been so awful and dangerous that he lives minute to minute. He's like almost a Catwoman. Like, the way Catwoman is characterized in a lot of the comics, it's almost that. Yeah. But if the movie was about Snake going in and not just rescuing the president, but also liberating the prison... It would be a it would be a totally different story, mm-hmm. but it isn't that at all. It's Snake yeah. is trying to save his own ass, and to to do that, he needs to get the president out of there. That's yeah. it. Because like, and only- I and I don't think that the movie to be elevated needs you know Snake you know freeing all the prisoners. I don't need right. that for this. I just needed more like more concrete stuff. Like, sh- right. like, tell me outright that, you know, the president is a corrupt bastard because we don't get any indication that he's not a good person until the right. last seven minutes of the movie. And it's like, oh, well, why has this been hiding the whole like, give right. me give me give me some breadcrumbs along the way so that this is the gingerbread house. Right. There should have been a scene where when Harry Dean Stanton and Adrian Barbeau go to rescue him, they're like going after him for a specific policy of his that put all these people in there yeah, or something like that. Some, mm-hmm. So that that's the kind of thing that this, I, I think, is missing. But also, it's not trying to be that movie, I don't think. And so it's like, I want it to be that movie because I think that movie is better than this one. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's like, it, you're supposed to judge a movie for what it attempts to do and how well it executes it, I think. That that's at least my personal belief on judging movie and i i like i think john carpenter nailed the thing he was trying to nail i just think it would be better like i think i would like it more if it was a little ballsier because he's he makes ballsy movies i think i think i needed a little more they live exactly a little more they live in my escape from new york and i'm i'm a because i i I like this movie it's fun it's enjoyable Um, right i like the characters adrian barbeau kicks so much ass um but like i needed uh, like a, a a few more tablespoons of they live to to really yeah. push it over the edge, and I'm sure someone in the audience is out there screaming like got to that point way before you just said it. But yes, that is the, the problem with this is that we want it to be that they live and it's not. Yeah, <laughs> is really, and they're like he made that movie. He's making a different movie, and it's like yeah, I get I it. I know like, we talked about we talked about it last week yeah. when I said why wasn't Kurt Russell in They Live. <laughs> right, right. And 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 frankly, if this movie had too much they live, people would be like, "Yeah, I saw this already when it was called They Live." So I get it, I get it. Yeah. I just I like They Live more than than Escape from New York personally. It doesn't yeah, mean I think either is a That's totally fair. But I I want Kurt Russell. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like well, they Live better, but I want Kurt Russell. Right, right. Um I also want to uh, since we're we're talking about how much we like Kurt Russell this month, this is not just him because he obviously didn't make the the the, uh, the clothes, but from the outfit to the weapons to the the hair to the walk, you get the entirety of Snake Plissken as a person in forty five seconds with no dialogue. He's and so I think cool. <laughs> and like I know that makes me sound like an idiot, but like he's like I, I I'm like a teeny bopper like with a Snake yeah. Plissken tiger beat, but I'm like he's yeah. so cool. Yeah, like I I personally am a Jack Burton over Snake Plissken guy. Like I I personally like Jack Burton more. That's I a think tough Jack call. Burton is cooler. Yeah, I it is. It's a so it's a difficult choice. But I 
I totally agree. Like a hundred percent, but it's, this is the kind of thing that should be shown to filmmakers, like people who are going to work in film, not just people who are going to write or direct in 45 seconds. Right. Oh like, yeah, for sure. Hey, actors, a- this is saying. how you tell a story with <laughs> right. nothing. Right. And I, I honestly, like, I know you're going to roll your eyes a little bit here and that's fine. But like, we all know I like wrestling. Part of wrestling is entrances and Good wrestlers okay. will do th- will attempt to do what he's doing with their entrances, with their gear, with the way they walk, with the way they move their body, the way they look. Like th- this is what he does here is a perfect wrestler entrance. What percentage takes, of wrestlers would you say do it successfully? Like to this level successfully? To to this level, very few, because I think this is he's some an actor of the, first, uh, so I get that. Yeah, yeah, but also, but also, like. Among actors, this piece of business, this 45 seconds down the hallway, I would put up against any 45 second nonverbal performance of any actor ever in terms of establishing who a character is with no dialogue and no name given. It kind of, I mean, you get a little set up and you're, you, you, I don't think you will, you know, glob onto this as well as much. It almost reminds me of Meryl Streep's entrance in The Devil Wears Prada. No, that's that's a perfect example. That of this. like absolutely, but like in that you do get more a little setup. Like people talk about her before you see yeah, her, yeah, so yeah. that helps color that. But it's definitely that same sort of like you see her and you're like, I know your energy and I'm scared of you. Yes, yeah. I see your energy, no, I, I, Pliskin, a... and I want to be around you. <laughs> the Devil Wears Prada is a perfect example. I don't care for that movie, but I think Meryl Streep's performance in it is fantastic, and the the thing you're describing there is is much the same thing they're trying to attempt here it's Mm -hmm. it's just it's just really i was like so taken by it that i i I walked it back and watched it again because it's even this little thing where like he kind of cracks his neck and it's just very cool (laughs) like it's just like like you said it's i feel like a kid a teenager with a tiger beat it's just like Snake Pliskin. <laughs> it's like he's here. He's here. They think he's a righteous uh, dude. <laughs> he is a righteous dude. I'll tell you that. But he's like got this kind of like he does this little head neck crack thing, and it makes his hair kind of flout Oof. in the nicest way. Yeah. Anyway, I just it is the it's not just was his idea, which I find fascinating as an actor because like, <laughs> in what world are you the are you the one that's like you know what I don't want to see right. I I want I, shitty I depth agree perception. For the I agree with months. you, but it totally makes this character. Yes. You're like this guy has seen some shit, and it I does it so much better than a scar would. I wonder if it is see through at all. Like it's one of those like per like costume heads. I don't think so because in some of the research I was doing, it said he largely tried to stay in character, like not full method, but just tried to stay with it but he would take the eye patch off because it was driving him crazy like he it, the it was literally ruining his depth perception yeah he was like, that's what it does yeah so you have to you have to take it off uh so he would he would take it off when he wasn't shooting but that was the only kind of concession to character he made yeah. i i do kind of wish there was a little more explanation of snake Pliskin's fall from grace because they're yeah. like, you are a decorated war hero, the youngest person ever, you know, commemorated by the president. And then you robbed a ba- robbed the biggest, whatever, the national deposit, whatever. You he ro- basically robbed Fort Knox. Yeah, it's like, then you robbed Fort Knox. And I was like, well, what happened between A? Right. Something happened between A and B. 
that we don't right do they do you have you seen la in a while no i my memory is that la is sillier and i think a long time ago now but i it's way way sillier and therefore probably appeals to me more like i I was actually going to say did they do they go into the backstory of what happened if they do, I do not remember it. So, because that's another thing I wanted a little bit. Because I was like, that's just a big jump from decorated war hero and like record breaking war hero to criminal on an isle on the island. I've always read it as the disillusionment of somebody who, sort of like in a Rambo sense, of somebody who was, you know, forgotten country and then saw through the bullshit and just couldn't take it anymore. Was, is okay. my read on it but if he if this character was more like that he would have been liberating the island and so i don't it's like you know again it goes back to this movie is not they live but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's just what it is uh i will give i, I want to say something mean about the movie here this shot of air force one is the stinkiest <laughs> it is horrible looking i i like the tracking aspect of it but no, 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 the plane in the sky. Oh, oh really bad. Yeah. Yes. It looks worse than the exterior shots in the movie Airplane. <laughs> which yeah. are like very obviously a model for shits and giggles. Yeah, the digital. The I don't even know if it's digital work. It's it's it looks like awful CGI. So I don't know what it was first, uh-huh. but it looks like awful CGI. It seems way too early for it to be a fully CGI shot to the point where I wondered if it was like when they went into Star Trek and redigit redid it with digital effects for for oh, the DVD like they, releases. Like they updated it, maybe. Because because there was a big deal made with Pixar doing the shot for young Sherlock Holmes. And that's like 84, 85, 86-ish, That had the distinction of being, it was the first CG character. Yes. So it was But I'm just saying, I thought that movie was like two or three years after this. It is, but I think, I think that, I think the, the praise and, you know, highlight that movie gets is because it's a character and not just like a background piece. Because Little Mermaid has CGI too. Those are just like backgrounds, though. Exactly. Right? It's her when she okay. runs down a staircase. It's CGI, and you notice it if okay. you think about it. Okay. So I think that Young Sherlock Holmes is eighty-five, by the way. Okay. So if this if this was a truly digital shot, it's four years before. It's like, of course, it looks terrible, but it's like oof a doof. This yeah. looks awful. <clears throat> yeah. So Donald Pleasance is trying to flee. They jam into escape in an escape pod like Air Force One, <laughs> or or like Austin Powers. It. Yes, it is a very it is, Austin Powers. It is Dr. Evil's, pod. but it's red. Yes, yeah, that is true. The one in Air Force One's a lot bigger. I'm surprised that this hasn't been parodied on Bob's Burgers. Because as soon as I was watching it, I was like, oh, this could have been one of the stories yes. they told Gene when he was in the bathroom on Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely could have been. Yeah, I could see Bob with an iPad. Or is is Bob would probably be the villain, right? Yeah, he would end up being the president. And I wonder if I wonder if the reason they haven't done it is because uh, Luis as the king of the Duke of New York is going to be kind of silly that it was Isaac Hayes before, but maybe not. I don't know. Honestly, I would I would love it to be Louise Snake Plissken. <laughs> like, yeah, that makes she's a lot got more one sense. like one of yeah, her bunny yeah, ears yeah. is wrapped around her head for the eye yeah, patch. That, that makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. Anyway, because then because then Bob can be available. Brain and Louis, and Linda can be yeah. Adrian Barbeau, right? That makes more sense. 
Gene is obviously Cabby. Oh my god, he is. And then yeah. Tina is Duke. Yeah, which Tina I think is being, funny. Yeah, that also jives. Yeah, and she's got like <laughs> Jimmy Junior as her little as hyena the, boy. Yeah, the yeah. ghoul that he hangs okay. out. Well, there's we just fantasy casted a mini soda Bosbergers for the five people in our audience for whom that is an overlap. Congratulations! And if if Lauren Bouchard is listening, hit us up. <laughs> Uh, so the pod goes down. They try to rescue it. We meet the little hyena uh, second in command He's to the Duke ghoul. of New York. He's, he looks like a ghoul. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's got. He also looks a lot like Clint Howard's character in. Uh, oh damn it! What's the race car one? We, the Wraith. We did oh, it fairly yeah. recently. Mm-hmm. With his uh, hair's got that sort of stuck the finger in the light socket vibe. Uh huh. Yeah. That's definitely it. So. They land, they they try to talk to him. He comes out and he's like, you have 30 seconds to leave. Starts doing this countdown. It's like some cool, crazy man stuff. And they're but like, all right, well, he's the, crazy. Also, they say like, we're, we're here to listen to your demands. Like, we'll negotiate. And he's like, no. And it's like, well, okay, come on. Give him something. Like, they're, they're <laughs> I, I literally like they, here to talk. Right. I I think that the Duke maybe doesn't want to negotiate is a possibility, but also he making later them leave. Demands. Making them leave forces them to play to your hand a little more strongly. That's fair. And they also show that they have cut off the president's finger. Oh, that's right. I, like, remember that happening, and then they don't call any attention to it later. Like, he's not... Until the very last seven minutes when his hand is bandaged. Right. It's like, Donald Plessis has nine fingers for this whole movie, and never at any point is he bleeding or bandaged, or do they show it, really? No. Also, I... I don't I don't mean to body shame. He looks heavier in this than he does as Loomis in any of the Oh, Loomises. did you think so? Yeah, it's I don't know what it is cuz I oh as Loomis I he seems a little more gaunt, a little more like withered, but as this president I'm like you are very like full. Huh. I I definitely think the last couple of Loomis's for performances he looks a little heavier than here, but hmm. the other thing I really like is in this movie, the president wears a president ring, <laughs> like he's the, some mafia don. Or he went like the, he went, like Jostens came into the White House and was like, "Buy your commemorative, your commemorative right, right. presidency ring." It's this. It Don't be the only one ring. of your friends without one. This big hunking ring with the presidential seal on it. It's very weird looking. Yeah. Uh, so they're like, "Get me Snake Pliskin." Yeah. Although I like. My favorite part about this movie is how literally every person in the prison and adjacent to it. It's a James Bond situation. Well, it makes me think that his crime must have been enormous. Like it was so big that everybody knows about it. That would have been an interesting angle to be like when people because that way when people know him, it could either be, oh, you're that war hero. Right. You did save, you know, these people in Kuwait or it can be. Wow, you stole eight hundred million dollars from Fort Knox or whatever the fuck, right? And then you right. can get a cool dynamic of like the pe- some people in this place, because then you start to realize like, oh, why do people know him as a war hero who are in here? Right. And I really like there's a there's a line in this. I think it's this next scene here where uh, Van Cleef takes Snake into his office and he's like running down Snake's crimes. But he says something to him offhanded like, oh, didn't you fly blank into blank? And it's like, I don't know what the two words are, obviously, but the way the line is delivered makes and he kind of like nods kind of grimly. It makes him seem like the totalist badass of like super war hero, whatever. Yeah. 
But also this scene, <laughs> this scene also reads like a principal reading a permanent record. Yes. <laughs> to yes. Fair, like it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you broke into Fort Knox nine times, times. <laughs> nine times. Rooney. That's yeah, it's, it's Rooney and <laughs> it starts, it starts like blinking down <laughs> as he lights the cigarette and he's like shrugging at him. Like, I don't know how that happened. I guess so. <laughs> also, uh, in terms of another great little piece of this, like, I think you could cut a two minute snake Pliskin montage and that could be your, your just a, a whole day of acting lesson. The, the, the very specific way of lighting a cigarette. If you're ever playing a character who lights a cigarette, you should come up with a way that that character lights their cigarettes and do it when like it's make it part of it. That his little, like, he kind of steals it out of the guy's packet and he kind of taps it once before he puts his mouth. And then the way he kind of snaps the match is very deliberate and cool. I was so glad when I did Reefer Madness that I didn't have to light any, any joints on stage. They were all lit off stage for me, which was mm. so great because sometimes they don't, because we had, we, we got like herbal cigarettes that didn't have nicotine yeah. and then wrapped them in like rolling paper. So it looked like yeah. a joint. But that meant the end flared <laughs> mm. as soon as you lit it. Yeah. So it was just like, and then me running on stage with like four joints in my mouth. Yeah. Lighting something on stage is just a, again, back to wrestling. Every once in a while, someone does flash paper where they like use it I as a weapon. And it's flash paper. But it's just a recipe for disaster. It's like wrestlers' hands are all sweaty. You're up there on stage. Your hands are all sweaty. It's like hard to line things. I'm it's doing like a just... quick change. I'm I I go going from a thong into a full like sweater vest, you know, pants combo with right, right. three with three joints, just puff puff puffing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like I get it. It's it's take that away from you. But if you're acting on film, where if the match won't let you, just call cut and run it back again. You yeah. know, it's it's part of it. Another actor who is very good at this, Jeff Bridges, in any uh, role where he's smoking, smokes. Each of his characters smokes a little differently, and it's it's hmm. fascinating to me. It's kind of cool. So yeah, we run down these crimes, and it's like, okay, Snake, if you get the president out, we'll we'll give you a full pardon. Yeah, you have twenty four hours to do it because, and this is the part where I was like a little confused because uh, they're like, "There's a summit happening, and if the president does, president doesn't make it to the summit, we're just gonna blow up." Was were they just gonna blow up the like snake? No, no, they said the if you don't do it in twenty four hours, like the summit is over, and that means the president is useless. Uh, it means that they the negotiations will have ended, and he won't have been able to be involved in them. Although it's like what well, negotiations, they don't say what for. Right. And also in a world in which three world powers were to sit down and have a summit and one of them is <laughs> been potentially kidnapped or hijacked or whatever. I feel like the other two world leaders are like, we'll take care of that and we'll just move <laughs> some things around yeah, we'll, and, and we'll, do it. We'll rain check this. Right. Right. It's, it's not like, you know, it, 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 I guess in today's world, it's probably like the G8 summit or something, but like should, should, should up or G7, whatever it is, should one of those leaders get detained as in their plane has been shot down. There's probably a waiting period that gets installed. Yeah, you would think so. So I think that was the other thing that I was like, well, what are, what are we negotiating? A. Yeah. Because I don't understand. Cause later they play the tape that the president was going to play. I don't, why there was a tape. I don't know. 
Because the yeah, the, he was going the tape to the of summit. the president's speech. Yes. So I don't know what that was, but the the the, the speech on the tape we hear later is talking about like evolution. Yeah, I was like, so I don't know what the hell we're doing here. No, it's very confusing. Because I was like, so wait, if the president is useless, does that mean they just like say, well, oops, we get a new president? Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the implication. In which case, how is Donald Pleasance not more mad about that? Later? Right, like, right. Like that, like there's some stuff there. Especially because in a, in a world in which this is real, and obviously it's a movie, so the you know yeah. this is silly but snake is the one man army they send in to get him how about you just fly the entire us military into this thing and be like just shoot everyone until you find the president that seems like what they would do well i think well cuz the guy says if you land if you come back to the island we'll kill the president sure so if they but landed the that's milit- when they s- that's when they send in SEAL Team 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1, Vin and they Diesel. all fan out. Yeah. Um, so they're basically like, you're a suicide squad of one. Yeah. It's, it, you're a suicide solo. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they like put a thing in his neck, <clears throat> and then they're like, well, that's actually a bomb that will explode in 24 <laughs> yes. hours. But we can deactivate it. And I was like, okay, so all he has to do is find the president and be like, I'm not leaving the president's side. Because you're not going to no, blow they're, up. No, they're micro bombs. They're big enough to blow up his artery, but not big. They're not actual bombs. Oh. He says that very deliberately. He's like, just big enough to make your arteries go. And he you know, fl- flares his fingers out. Okay. I'm, I didn't catch that. So, yeah, they didn't. They, it's not like the hunt. <laughs> it, or, or Suicide Squad. Oh, do they also have neck They have bombs, bombs in their neck in Suicide okay. Squad. <laughs> Well, I, uh, the hunt has people wearing collars. Yeah, the hunt has collars. This the the Suicide Squad is just like there's a they they do the they literally do this scene where they like put a thing on oh, their they neck and go eject them. Yeah, <laughs> they're someone posted this on the uh, Facebook page. It was like Moderna and Pfizer at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, also I think it's I guess it's you know t- for a retrieval system, but wouldn't it be way less suspicious? To just put like to do put the things in his neck, give him his gear, be like, you're gonna go on the boat that's scheduled to go to the island, because in the beginning he's like in the in the the center, the processing center, and they're like the next boat for the island leaves in two hours. Mm-hmm. Why not just put him on there, which is way less right. suspicious than him slingshotting him like on a balsa wood glider yeah. <laughs> onto yeah. the World or- Trade Center. <laughs> Or, like, I assume they do food drops or something. I guess they do that on the boat. I think they say food drops. Because they say later a food drop site. I wanted, like, (laughs) Snake Plissken in a crate with a parachute on it. (laughs) Operation Plissken Drop? uh Uh-huh. And it, like, it plops down and people go running out to get the food and a snake is inside it. And they're like, ah! And he just starts (laughs) popping people off. Oh, see, I was picturing, again... It's still suspicious. Him on top of the crate holding one of the strings of the parachute. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that would be cool. That's the way cooler shot for sure. So he gears up. He's got... They have this whole table of weapons, and we only see him use one. (laughs) Yeah. Why were it, like, give him more weapons? 
Well, I assume that they did, but we just he like Snake has his his Uzi with a silencer and a scope on it, but he also has a holster on each leg that he doesn't really use. Mm-hmm. And he also like we see ninja stars and all sorts of sharp things. It's like let him have some more toys. Make him make him Batman. What are we doing? Yeah. I also again because this is the future, like there's some futuristic stuff. I always love when the past can't possibly imagine futuristic yeah. walkie-talkies. Yes. So they're like, well, this is obviously the the most high-tech the it's going to get. And it's, <laughs> yes. you know, the size a of a car foot, battery. Six-foot antenna. He has to, like, he pulls it out and then has to, <laughs> like, go down and pull it out a second time. It's like a magician with a, <laughs> a, a yes. handkerchief. It's like, come on. Just, it doesn't need, the, it's magic. It doesn't need an antenna anymore. Just, like, that's fine. It's a sci-fi movie. I was like, give him a little earpiece. Like, put something on his ear. Even just give him the walkie-talkie, but he doesn't have to pull the antenna out two times. Like, it's just, it just works because it's the future. Yeah. So he gets launched in his little balsa wood flyer, as you said. Uh, He starts doing some investigations. I really love the crashed plane set here. Yeah. It feels like, again, sorry to be a broken record. It feels like an attraction in a theme park. Yes. Like, our tram is going past it, like... Oh, looks like the president's plane has gone down. <laughs> but I wonder where the president could be. Part of the tram tour in Hollywood Universal Studios is the set from War of the Worlds, which is just yeah. a big plane crash. Which is an yeah. actual plane that they yeah. blew up, yeah. basically. Uh, so this was filmed in East St. Louis, Illinois, which is basically just across the river from St. Louis, Missouri. Okay. And the town had been thoroughly... Uh, ravaged by all sorts of recession stuff, uh, you know, recession buildings, closing job losses. And then in the mid to late seventies, there was a fire that burned out huge sections of the city. And so apparently they set their, sent their set location person just like on a cross country tour to try to find this place. And he <laughs> came to, he found this and was like, I got it. I got it. So they filmed here. We got and one. Was, yeah. The, well, they basically didn't have to do half the work because the city was in such dire straits. And then, um, they were able to negotiate a deal where they would just have the city turn off the power for 10 block stretches while they were filming at night. Which, like, I guess if no one lives there, why not? Right. Exactly. Exactly. But now uh, a lot of this stuff has been revitalized and it's great. There's apparently a, a microbrewery or a dis- micro oh, cool. distillery in one of the main locations. And the theater, which the end of the movie takes place in, is, it's called the Fabulous Fox Theater is absolutely gorgeous now. Like oh, totally the the perfectly mm-hmm, totally been refinished and revamped. It looks you can tell it's the same theater. You can see the bones of it in this movie, mm-hmm. but looks amazing now. So it's one it's a nice story as opposed to something yeah. sad of like, and it's all been destroyed. I also read that he bought the bridge for a dollar from the town and then sold it back to them for a dollar. They basically were like, we want to shoot on the bridge. And they were like, absolutely not. Uh, that's way too much liability. And they're like, well, do you need the bridge? And they were like, no. And like, uh, so they arranged this deal. So they, they basically. Oh, so they we, signed We're going to buy it for a dollar. Yeah. We're going to buy it for a dollar. So it's our Take bridge. all the risk. Yeah. And we take all the risk. And then we will sell it back to you when we're done. And it will back to be your, your responsibility. And then John Carpenter said, you can have it back for $8 million. <laughs> Yes, John Carpenter noted. I asshole. take your bridge. I take it right up. 
Like, what are you going to do with it? Whatever I want. <laughs> it's my Michael bridge. Myers sign. Michael Myers' face goes on the side of it. <laughs> Calls it the, the Laurie Strode is, Memorial Bridge. The toll is $50,000. <laughs> uh, so here we meet uh, former podcast appearer Ernest Borg 9 at the theater show. What was he which I. Th- He's in that big disaster movie we did, the uh, oh, volcano he, one. You're right. He no. Are you sure yeah. that because he's in Poseidon Adventure? Are you sure he's also in When Time Stood Still or Time Ran Out? Uh, I don't know. You have me a second. I was sure I was. Right. I just would double check because Meredith Burgess was in that movie. No, Burgess Meredith. Ernest Borgnine is in When Time Ran Out. Okay, hundred percent. I think Borgie might have been in a bunch of those. Uh, uh, but, but, but James Goldstone. Yeah, or disaster. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, he also voiced Mermaid Man on SpongeBob until he died. Oh, is that right? Yeah, and so it's funny because I, I've heard that voice. I haven't watched SpongeBob in a hundred years at this point, but certain things just don't leave you. And Mermaid Man and Barnacle Boy is a very you know popular costume for gay couples. Mm. And as soon as he spoke in this movie, I was like. Oh shit, that is Mermaid Man. Because he sounds the same. Right, right. I love Borgnine. I think he's like incredibly charming. He's one of my favorite characters in this movie. Yeah, I I I totally agree. And I, I think he's a perfect example of what we talked about many episodes ago of how all actors are too pretty now. Like I don't think Ernest Borgnine is the ugliest person I've ever seen, but I don't think he's conventionally attractive. And no. yet he's great. He's a great character actor. And we have a big problem now that everyone is too pretty. We're not allowed we need to some be. You're not we allowed to be some, less than some, an eight. Where's our Borgnines? Or are any Borgniners? Where are where's, they? We need them. Where's our our, our Borgnines and our Seymour Krellborn? Yeah. Yeah, we got none. We What's got none. Real name. Who? Oh, the guy from Little Shop and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Rick Moranis. Rick Moranis? Yes. Yeah. Where's our Moranis? Where's our Borgnine? Yeah. Where's our attainable men? Right. <laughs> well, I just like Borgnine has like good grandpa energy, you know? Yeah. Like, and now grandpa energy is like De Niro. And you're like, well, that's not right. fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Aunt May, as I've said many times. Except Marissa now she's Tomei. Marissa Tomei. I know. That's what I'm saying. That's the problem. Uh, anyway, we start. Uh, we're wa- I, it's I, they weird... don't show it close enough, but I'm pretty sure it's all men it's in all drag. Men. Okay. I don't know why it's all men. There are well, women in this because world. I I think that there are way more men in here than women. And the idea that like a penal colony is just a loose assemblage of people of all different, you know, where all different crimes, all different nationalities, yeah. all different genders. And it's just like, all right, what are we doing here? This seems like a very bad hierarchy in which women are going to be sexually assaulted constantly. Very true. Because it it feels like something out of the game Fallout, which I feel like we reference a lot. Yes, you walk in and I was like, it's I was like, it's like some weird underground broken cabaret of drag performers singing an original song about New York. I was like, what is this song? Why wouldn't you just be like, we're gonna pay the twenty dollars it costs to sing New York, New York? I think because it's a lot more than twenty dollars. Well. did does Sinatra own that song? No, I just think it's a. I think it's probably an expensive license. I would. He didn't write his own songs. All no, of his stuff was but, singing other people's songs. But I'm just saying, I think it's not a cheap song to license. I don't. Know. It's it was a very weird song. Um, 
and this whole weird moment. Um, so we go winding through the theater. Snake's looking for the president, and he finds noted John Carpenter, a pure Buck Flower, wearing the uh, president's arm bracelet thing of vital signs. The tracker. It's it also, again, they're like, this is going to track you. My Fitbit does everything <laughs> yes. that yep. uh-huh. the president's mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. does, and it is not the size of a potato on my wrist. <laughs> <laughs> right right well that's the thing is like like he might as well have a macbook on his wrist <laughs> right it's ridiculously large it's it's huge but that's what i'm talking about is like this movie is too like it's too it got too many things right and therefore feels ridiculous like it's 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 the dystopian future that you actually live in it's like yeah i know bud it kind of makes me sad all the time what do you yeah. want from me well, I just meant how big it is. They were like, this is the no, thing of course, that tracks yeah. and keeps your, and keeps your heart rate. And it's the size of a small truck. Right, right. So there's this really great... Cr- it's very well done. It's very Carpenter. This dude is running around banging on the ground. And then he realizes he's banging on manhole covers. And there's this perfect, creepy, unnerving music. As all of a sudden, you watch all the manhole covers pop open. And like... Yeah. Eight to ten people come out of each manhole and like flood the streets, and it is very scary feeling. It struck me as the coolest uh, representation of the phrase coming out of the woodwork that I've ever seen. Yeah, like that. That phrase is not typically something that's. Uh, it's not typically ominous necessarily. Like no. you can say it in, in in being something else, but this is so ominous. It's terrifying. It's like it's all, they, very people, scary. It's it's very 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 scary and and snake of course starts running. I didn't know Chock Full of Nuts was a like a like a diner or a storefront. I thought it was just a brand of coffee. I think it was just an advertisement for the coffee. No, on, on the uh, his so the woman he sees in this place is see, You know how sometimes you know how sometimes you see the hot dog carts in New York and there's like the umbrella on top that advertises the brand of hot dog. She's credited as the girl in Chock Full of Nuts. Okay. I got the impression that it was like Chock Full of Nuts probably paid these people, paid, paid this diner. It's like advertise. It's like scratch, you know, mutually beneficial advertisement. Yeah. I don't know that it was a Chock Full of Nuts diner. Although if anyone out there knows that I'm totally wrong, correct me. But I, I got the impression it was a, it was like an ad that was just left up on the diner. But I do, it does make sense that she'd be credited that way. Yeah. This, I was like, I was like, this could have been a Jamie Lee Curtis cameo. Yeah. It's too small of a part for her, but yes. Yeah, because this is what three years after Halloween. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and this is where so he I, meets. I, I love this this so the, the this little detail here is one of my favorites where he uh, sends the he gives her a cigarette and he's like cup it, which is a, a military thing when you're on when you're out and about like it's a Vietnam thing, you would cup your cigarette so that there wasn't a glow that snipers could shoot at. Mm-hmm. And I just, lo- it's like a great little piece of characterization here. And then the other scene that's amazing is the dude that comes up through the floor, like Jason Voorhees and, and gets grabs this woman. her. She gets eaten, yeah. right? Like we can assume she gets eaten. I, I mean, I thought something way worse. So yeah, eaten sounds Well, no, better. she says, she says they're hungry. Oh, yeah, I, I took that to be a lustful hunger. I, I just no, think the worst of the people here. She says specifically it's been uh, it's 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 been X amount of time since the last food drop. So they're hungry. 
So she does talk about food. Oh. So it is a food hunger. So I think she got eaten. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. And this is where it really just turns into a video game. He, like, jumps out the window and, like, grabs onto a grate so he can climb up into another Mm -hmm. window and then out a different window and shimmy down a pipe. And then he fails the quick time event so his walkie-talkie falls and breaks. Like, that's what it was. I saw the X appear on the screen and the timer went down (laughs) and I didn't hit it. And so the next clip was the walkie-talkie falling and breaking. Yeah, and joke's on you that you actually can't, no matter how many times you repeat that, you cannot win that quick time yeah, event. It's that like is a designed quick to time fail. Event. Uh, so he, he's running, and then we see Ernest Borgnine in, leaning on his cab being like, hey there, snake, you need a ride no, he's tonight? he's leaning on it. He, he pulls up, <laughs> flips the grate open on top, and like climbs out the sunroof, and he's like, hop oh, yes. on in, yes. buddy. <laughs> and then I love, he's like casually going on and on, like, you can't be in this neighborhood after this time by yourself. I mean, gosh, even in the before times. And he's like slowly and methodically making a Molotov cocktail. He like leans over and like opens a crate full of Molotov cocktails, picks Uh one out, like gives it a little like spit shine, Uh rubs it up and then lets it. It's just like, it is. I was like, this is my new favorite. Yeah. He's like very clearly waiting for these people to get close enough that he can hit them with it. Mm hmm. It's just, it, and then he, and then he pops out of his little hatch, and it's the most casual Molotov cocktail throw in history. It's just this <laughs> it's little, your like, grandfather alley-oop. throwing a Molotov cocktail. Yeah. Oop. Uh huh. Um. So he's this. This also confused me because he was like, Snake. He's Snake says, "I'm looking for someone." He goes, "I know everyone in this town. Why didn't you just ask me?" And so he's <laughs> like, "Well, where's the president?" And he says, "Duke has him." And Snake says, "Well, I need to meet Duke." And and he says. Okay, and then he takes him to Harry Dean Stanton, who is not Duke. <laughs> right, but he is like, Duke's, like, right right. But I wanted a, an explanation, because I was like, this isn't Duke. Yeah. I, I, I was, I've been thinking since I watched this yesterday of, like, what do you think Borgnine did to get in here? Has he been in here for, like, 30 years? Or, or not, I guess not. Like, it's only he said been he's been for- driving a cab for 30 years. Yeah, but it's like, did he just, like, not leave New York? Was he just like, oh, everybody so. needs a cab? I think that's what it was. <laughs> I have a feeling... It's like, it, I'm already old, I'm not moving. <laughs> it, he it struck me as the uh, the the Dan Aykroyd cameo in, in New Ghostbusters. He's yeah. like, I, look, I got the way I do things. I'm not leaving. This is how it's going to be. Yeah. yeah, it's... I. You know, every time eminent domain happens, it's like a big deal. It's like very expensive to get people to leave their homes and all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And you hear these you hear these hilarious stories of somebody who was a uh, you know in a building in New York City that flips to condos from renters, how these people will hold out and just make so much money on it because of the value of the real estate. Mm-hmm. And I just I would I would like to see the four page comic book in which they try to eminent domain the entire island of Manhattan and get all those people to move. And the, the New Yorkers being like, fuck you, buddy. I'm not moving. Yeah. Because <laughs> like, also, how do they pick New York? Right. It's the worst possible place to choose. It's the most densely populated. The island of Manhattan is the most densely populated part of the entire country of the United States. It's the worst possible place to pick. Like, yeah, it's an island, which is somewhat valuable. There are but- other islands or you can make one. Just build walls in Nebraska or Montana or any of these enormous states where no one lives and just buy a few farms. Yeah. Uh, So Adrian Barbeau is here. 
queen of the she's a scream queen and also was in i guess this counts as scream queen she was in scooby-doo on zombie island oh that's fun basically doing a the fog kind of thing but oh okay previously on this show in uh swamp thing that's right and I, i'm the is the fog 1980 or is it 79 I think The Fog is an 80s movie. I think it's uh, one we could do on the show for okay. sure. The new one is terrible. I watched that it is. in the last few months. Uh, my boyfriend and I were like, eh, well, I was like, it's a, re- it's a you know a shitty remake. Let's watch it. <laughs> the credits rolled, and I was like, that was the one of the worst things I've ever seen. I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Uh, but we meet, the, the two of them meet, and then we get introduced to the brain, also known as our favorite drunk angel, Harry, Harry Dean, Dean Stanton. I wish he was him. drunk more in this movie. Well, yeah. <laughs> Today, today's is today's impressions of Harry Dean Stanton will be played by the drunk Harry Dean Stanton impression that we made up for <laughs> One Magic Christmas. Yeah. Uh, I love that he has rigged up an oil derrick that's because <laughs> <laughs> at first they don't say anything about it. Like Snake walks right. into this light, it looks like pumping oil. A library in a mansion, in a New York mansion. And it in reminds the background me a lot just... of the Omega Man with Charlton Heston, which I don't know I don't if anyone I've, out there has seen. I don't think I've seen the original. Okay. okay. But that is the first interracial kiss on camera, I believe. Uh, maybe in a movie. Yeah, in film. The, the, one between, the one between Kirk and Uhura on Star Trek is way before that. It is? Oh. That's like six, 1970. I thought Omega Man was in the 60s. No, Mega Man's like 76. Oh, I totally thought it was earlier than that. Um, anyway, with Oil Derek, I cut you off. Yeah, no, it's just hilarious. And then we find out that they know that Snake knows him. I, so it the imp- implication here is they were involved in the crime that Snake went down for. I didn't get that. I got that they were like war like associates, like soldier associates. Yeah, that makes sense. But I get that. I think I think it probably makes more sense that you know Stanton was the the getaway driver and fucked it up or whatever. Right, right. So he they they convince uh, Snake convinces Adrian Barbeau and Harding Stanton and Cabby to take him to see the Duke, even though they don't want to do that. They get outside and the Duke starts approaching just conveniently enough. And I love they like all turn and look. And when they look back, it's not, they just hear the noise of the car starting. And Cabby has just, like, Ernest Borgnine has <laughs> just Usain Bolt sprinted to his cab and is taking his own Uber out of the movie. Cabby is exactly who I want to play in these kinds of movies. Like, obviously, <laughs> yes. I'd rather star, but like, I know, I know, I know the box I check. But the idea that Borgnine, who is like not a small man, is just silently disappearing from these people is amazing to me. Yeah. And I love the Duke's car with the big chandeliers on the front <laughs> of it. It's so silly and fun. Yeah, it's so dumb. Um, so this is another thing that confused me. They were like, we have a diagram of all the mines they placed on the 69th Street Bridge. We had a guy go across, but infor- but we got the diagram before the bastard shot him. And I was like, how? If he's on the other side of the bridge, yeah, I unless he's like on a radio, like, I take three paces left, and there's a there is a mine. I take three yeah. paces. No, like, how did that happen? Well, the other thing too is 
the bridge has mines on it, but it also has cars smashed all the time. So you have mm-hmm. to like weave left, right, left, right. There's really not a way to avoid, like there isn't only one drivable path across this thing. So if the mines are avoidable, the Duke's people are very bad at laying mines. They're not the, they're not the Duke's mines. They're the government's mines. Well, if there is any way to yes. avoid them, there is only one navigable navigable path. So it's just you put the mines all over the navigable path. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting that the fashion is so varied in, in these yeah. prisoners, which I think is interesting. But again, Arkham City, it's not varied in a way that like tells me the factions. It's just like some people dress like burlap sacks. And then the Duke is dressed like, you know, the the gang in <laughs> The Lost Boys. Right. And then Adrian Barbeau is ready for the Ren Fair. I got the impression that there aren't any factions, that it's the Duke and everybody else, and everybody else is just kind of scavenging and scrounging to try to get what they need. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's like there is the, you're either allied with the Duke or you're pretending to be allied with the Duke so that he doesn't kill you and eat you. But that's pretty much the list. Yeah, but I think that I would have liked some kind of signifier for like the Duke, like all the Duke's army wears, you know, red bandanas or yeah, that's the warriors, I guess. <laughs> yes, yeah, that is that is that is just the warriors. <laughs> Our favorite wet ham sandwich, Michael. Uh, what's his name? So they end up fleeing in this station wagon. It's very it's the family truckster from vacation, basically, <laughs> yeah, right? And there's this very silly part where they're driving very slowly down the street as people are like pelting them with rocks and somebody jumps on the hood and they got to shoot this guy and whatever. And I kept being like, just drive 10 miles an hour faster and they I can't do. These I think things. the implication was that they can't like the cars like the car won't do it. Yeah. Okay. That's at least the vibe I got because no one the only car that can drive fast is Cappy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and even Cabby, the whole time, the whole time they're driving Cabby's car fast, he's like, "You're doing this. You're going too fast." Yeah, so I, I think the cars, I think it's like the Cabernet Cruiser, where like the car can go a hundred miles an hour, but it really shouldn't. It's not supposed to do that. You might go back in time. I also loved it was it's kind of a throwaway line when they're explaining the rundown to Snake, but they're like, they've gotten some cars to work. We think they're steam powered. And I'm like, what do you understand how big a steam engine is? They're not that you can't make a small steam engine. That's the problem with steam engines. That's why we stopped using them. I forget. (laughs) They're the size of trains. They've rigged them for steam power. No, they haven't. They certainly did not. They, this is, if you want to run a steam, Wild Wild West starring, if you want to run Smith. a steam boiler, you need to put like actual logs into a burning furnace. <laughs> That's not what's in the car. Um, I really love. They finally get past all the people, and there's a big roadblock, and they need to ram it with the car. But Kurt puts the car in reverse because it's a station wagon with this huge ass end, so it smashes up the back of the car, but doesn't damage the engine at all. And I was like, "That's very clever, and something that doesn't get done enough in action movies." Well, also, I was like, "Oh, there's always a wall of cars for some reason." Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. Like, how do they get the cars up there? Is <laughs> does someone drive a forklift that we don't slave see? labor? Apparently. Yeah. They had a steam-powered forklift. <laughs> Steampunk forklift. got cogs. <laughs> unnecessary spinning cogs on it. <laughs> the conductor of it has on a big top hat with goggles the on it. Stove pipe. It's got the stove yeah. pipe hat. 
The and when he takes he's, he's covered in black soot when he takes his goggles off there's like the clean line around his eyes it's it just it, i was so that's such a stupid line carpenter you can do better there's also a head on a stick yes and i was like well hang on we're like almost an hour into this movie what yeah heads on sticks happens way too late uh, cause basically this is a walking dead season compressed into 90 minutes. Like there's a bad guy and he's got these, he's well, worse than the zombies. It's and also yada, very yada. similar to overlord. No, there's a, there's a zombie movie about, uh, the UK walling off Scotland entirely because that's where the zombie infection is. And they have to send a oh. scientist in there. It was a theme for a Halloween Horror Nights maze, and I'm blanking on the name, um, but it's something like- I don't know this movie. Doomsday, maybe? Maybe it's Doomsday. Okay. We'll say Doomsday. So it reminded, it reminded me of that, except that movie is actual zombies. Gotcha. Uh, they they get to, they they create a plan where Adrian Barbeau and Herdine Stanton are going to like distract them at the front door so Snake can sneak in the back and get the president. It's so a fun shot this. of him yeah. like Batmaning across the roof of all these trains while Stanton tries to charm his way into the caboose. And uh, Snake gets in, he kills one guy with a... He does kill this guy with a knife or something. In the head. Like, like, and the camera yes. decides to hold on that for like <laughs> mm, three minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he takes an arrow to the knee and... Uh, as he rescues Pleasance, uh, that's for all of you uh, gamers out there. That's right. I made a reference to uh, uh, the one with Fortnite? the dragons. No, Skyrim. Than that much. Yeah, that's the one. What reference to Skyrim did you just make? There's a line at the very beginning of Skyrim where a guy's like, and then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> Uh, I, what I really think is interesting here is, and obviously it's not uh, surprising to find that Donald Pleasance is, is a good actor, but this I it's really interesting to me how obviously they should be very different, but this character is so unlike Loomis. He's kind oh, of yeah. like a sniveling weirdo, and at, they get outside and kind of an snake asshole, gets attacked. Yes, yes, definitely an asshole. But he's also just incapable. Like he's got this briefcase he could be swinging around here to try to fend off these guys. And like no, he just goes like. Eh! me snake yeah and this is the same actor that we said we wanted to star in a surfing movie a long <laughs> well time ago. i still i still stand behind that i think that would rule oh yeah look for that on the youtubes all right yes. the, the little vignette the little snippet you made of that yes snake i need to hang 10 <laughs> uh snake Pliskin surfs in the escape from la i remember that uh, of course he does it's like he surfs on a giant wave of trash or something. Anyway, he does it. <laughs> I think they, I think they like open a pipe and Snake like surfs what comes out of the pipe. If I recall correctly. <laughs> okay, I kind of want to watch that one now. Oh, I'm definitely watching it. There's a hundred percent chance of me watching it in the next two days. It's a Thursday when we're recording this. It's yeah, almost this guaranteed that I, this, this weekend that box is getting checked. Snake, Snake. I said Snake. <laughs> Snick at night. Snake gets overpowered, and I didn't believe it. I was like, There are I'm, a lot of people. There are a lot of people, which I think is the only thing. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at these And other he people. has an arrow in his leg. True. He has an arrow in his leg. So that's I'm looking a big at these other spot. people like, you're not, you're not taking Snake Pliskin down. No. 
So, but, so uh, this is where we meet Isaac Hayes, who's the Duke of New York. And we cut to shirtless Snake Plissken laying on a bed, and he's got a big cobra tat on his stomach. <laughs> I was like, sure, movie. It's like, did, did you get that in case you forgot your own name? Or is it like, are snakes his thing? Like, you know how there's horse oh, girls? It, yeah, like, do you think he's a snake guy? He's a snake That boy. makes him less cool if that's true. Well, I don't mean like that he owns, but he's like, he knows about snakes. Like in the second movie, There's... he takes time to talk about how like red before yellow, you're a dead fellow or whatever. <laughs> There's one person who was cool with a snake and that is Jake the Snake Roberts. And that's the whole list. Uh, Britney Spears. Every other, every other guy, snake oh, okay. guy is a creep. Always. Voldemort, snake guy. Well, Harry Potter, anything Harry Potter has the sort of... <laughs> but just, your snake guys, and I'm not talking about a person who has a pet snake. Listeners out there, they're like, people <laughs> With a are pet like, snake. really... Yeah. I'm not talking about a pet snake. I'm talking about enough pet snakes snake that guy. you are Although you're a snake Voldemort's, guy. In Voldemort's defense, he only has the one snake. Yeah, but he's... He's doing things with that snake that are really you think, inappropriate. You think he does snake stuff? I think Voldemort does all kinds of snake stuff. I think his weird little lack of nose is probably in relation to being bit in the mouth and the was, face by a snake. Was that in the books? I don't remember ever reading <laughs> the lack of nose. That snake that know. Voldemort didn't have a nose. That was just a movie thing, right? I don't. I think I believe so. Yes. I'm trying to think of this. I've read them fairly recently, but I don't have that detail. But it's just a snake guy is like they they have too many snakes and you go to their house and it stinks like it's got a reptile stink to it. And they don't notice it because they live there. But there's just like there's just too that, many. That and then there's like commercial where the couch, the couch would yeah. turn into a snake. Yeah. And then there's a bucket of mice somewhere that are just like sad. Although they, they're you know food. who is an exception to that rule. John Voight. <laughs> John Boyd is exactly the guy I'm talking about. <laughs> That's a snake guy. He is a you killed my white snake. snake. You killed my white snake. <laughs> you want to pet it? I'll take it you, out. You can pet it. You had the, the pleasure of hearing your bones crush dust before the lungs like squeeze out of your lungs. <laughs> what was that accent? Cajun fried nonsense. <laughs> Anyway, Snake is uh, unconscious, and in the other room, Donald Pleasance is being held up, and they're he's shooting around him like uh, when you throw knives at a lady at a circus. Yeah, yeah. but like it just seems if if you know you need Donald Pleasance alive to make this work for you, like there's right. no scenario in which you show up with the president's corpse on the bridge, and right, then right. the government's like, "All right, you all can come free." Like. We just we just needed the body. Yeah, so like, don't do that. Like, like they <laughs> right, just seem right. so wa- reckless. Yes, and also it's like, do you think this is like a Dave situation where there's like another president on deck and you can just give them the body and they'll just be like, oh, thanks, we needed that. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, this president is expendable, apparently. I don't know. They he never, is very expendable. Like, what happens if Snake doesn't make... Like, what happens to the presidency if Snake doesn't make it back in 24 hours? That's the question Snake should have asked. Presumably, Glenn Close becomes president just like in Air Force One. Oh, yeah. I am I mean, I'm here for Madam President Glenn Close. Yeah. Uh, so he shoots open the briefcase, and... And I was like, was this the first time anyone tried to open... Because. 
people were trying to cut the chain off his hand. No right. one tried to open it before now. I, I mean, I think he just hit it in the right spot with a bullet and it popped open. Mm. Uh, and then the ghoul picks up the tape and like sticks it in his little ghoul pocket. He's kind of the embodiment of the Lion King hyenas. Yeah, he's definitely the anthropomorphic Lion King hyena. Yeah. But also a skeleton. So these choppers land and they get a ransom note that kind of explains, I guess, what they want for the president. Meanwhile, they finally get the briefcase off, by the way. I don't know. Like, that's yes. not explained how. Well, presumably there is a handcuff key somewhere on the island of Manhattan, and therefore the Duke must have one. It seems silly to me that he wouldn't. Or a lock. What do they cut it? I know, but it's that's what I'm saying. It's like why he should have a lock picker. He's the Duke. Yeah. So Snake is sent to fight in a death match with professional wrestler Ox Baker, who I don't know anything about, but I do know his trademark eyebrows. He looks like like the dollar store Zangief. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So we're cutting back and forth between this. It's it's actually in a wrestling ring, which I found quite charming. Yeah. I, I Carpenter strikes me as a dude who would like professional wrestling. I don't he, know if he I does. mean, he campaigned for what's his face and they live, so. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's <laughs> so that, I think, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, he's been telling us the whole time. Proof. Yeah. Did I tell you by the way, we're going to have to do this movie at some point, but uh, there's a clip of an old WrestleMania where Danny DeVito was a special guest and he was filming a movie with Captain Lou Albano at the time. So they invited him. And so oh, wow. he's he's being interviewed in the locker room and then Rowdy Roddy Piper like bursts in and starts yelling at him in like full at on. Danny wrestler. DeVito? Yes, it's really delightful. I'll have to see if I can find it and send it to you. Danny DeVito uh, in a wrestling in a wrestling ring, I think, is something I would like to see. Uh, it's always sunny. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. So Barbeau and Harrington Stanton rescue Donald, who is wearing a blonde wig inexplicably, and I honestly think he's loved pulling that. it off. I I, I saw that and I was like, I this this tickles me. Yeah, kind of kind of doing it, Donnie. Uh, well, um, also we get the we get a little a little seedling planted uh, that the ghoul Romero, his name, is wearing Cabby's hat. And oh right right right, he's like, how did you get that hat? And he's like, he traded for something. That's it. That's all yeah. we hear of that. Just tuck yeah, that away yeah. for later, <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Uh, um, I like how the fight it starts with fists, and then Kurt Russell gets a bat, and then they're fighting with baseball bats, and then he loses his bat, and he's in the corner, and someone no, he, hands him- He a, gets it taken. I think I think he gets it taken so they can give him- I think they're like, the round three is nail bats. Okay. But it, the, the, the idea that there were rounds, but it's never stated like, okay, round three, nail yeah. bats, fight- I needed that information. <laughs> I liked that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh, yeah. announcer voice. <laughs> yeah, that was exactly what I was going for. I know that. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Everyone else, some people had Mortal Kombat. Some people had right. Killer Instinct. We had right. the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles fighting game. Right, because there, were was no fat- there was no fatalities in it, so mom felt it to be much safer. <laughs> I remember the one girl th- hit people with her butt. Yes, she did. Like butt a butt a hip attack probably, but it looked like a butt. Yeah. And the Duke is like is it is feeling is it Tina Turner? Is that who's in Mad Max? Yes. He's very much the Tina Turner, like this is the Thunderdome, everybody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, this is the Fox Theater, by the way, that I mentioned earlier. This you can see the bones of something beautiful here, but it's all very decrepit. But I like, I, I like also in addition to the nail bats, they give them those metal like aluminum trash, trash can, can lids. lids. It's like this has nails driven through it. It's just, that's not going to do anything. It's <laughs> tissue paper. Jack shit. But Snake gets the better of Ox Baker. Gets it's kind him in of the an gut. anticlimactic win. Yeah, I think it's because it's it, like if it was now, it'd be way yuckier. And I was glad that it wasn't. Well, I don't need it to be yuckier. Um, like it's clearly a fake head or the the way that he swings the bat into the head. It's clearly a fake head. Yeah. But like I needed more a little more build up to it. Yeah, it happens very, very quickly. It seems like it's in fast forward. Yeah. Um. So. Adrian Barbeau shoots everyone while Stanton stabs the ghoul and they they run away with the president, but someone sees and warns the Duke and Snake wins the fight. And then when someone goes to like attack him, he sees the guy's wearing his like tracker wristband. And so he like, yeah, punches the guy so he can hit like activate the tracker button and run away. So he runs to the World Trade Center. And at first I thought the uh, cabbie's cab was there in the lobby. Oh, but it's not. It is. um. Adrian Barbeau's and Harry Dean Stanton's car. Yeah. And they get up to the roof and these crazy people are hacking at the steel cable that's holding the glider in place. I We didn't mention that. The glider tries to land on a roof and it's going out of control. And he has a Batman-esque it's hook very that he deploys Batman. out of that. <laughs> yeah. It's like he shoots it out of the tail and it you know locks in and then it stops this thing. So he rescues them. They leave because they're like, well, the glider is screwed. And they go to start the car, and they're like, "It won't start." So they lift the the hood, and a dude pops out with a with a crossbow. Yeah, I love this because the i the they would have had to remove the engine for the in, this. Yes, it's the so ludicrous. Engine. The entire steam powered yeah. engine would have to come out of the car. Right, a steam powered engine is nothing nothing small to trifle with. I guess the I guess the government doesn't know that they've m- found a way to mine oil. Yeah, also, I'm, like, nearly 100% sure there's no oil under Manhattan, but that's fine. Like, that, I'll I'll let you have that hand wave, but the, the I really need you to follow through on the steam-powered business. Well, yeah, I know, I think it was just, they, they were like, well, there's, how else are they powering their cars? Right, right. So they get, they, uh, Snake shoots some stuff that makes steam, and they run away, and then they go, hey where's your briefcase? And he's like, they took it and the tape. And they're like, we don't have the tape. And Harry Dean Stanton's just a wheeler and dealer in this whole movie. Yeah. Every sure. opportunity he's like, well, I know where it is. So you have to take me with you. You have to do this. And he's like, I know where the tape is. And it's like, well, what the hell dude, if you knew where it is, why didn't you grab it then? Because now this right, is right. such video game bullshit of like, you've traveled all the way to this village and they're like, Oh, you actually needed the frying pan from the last village you were in. I hate this so and much. And you're like, like, motherfucker, I don't have fast travel. I don't have, yeah. I'm out of, I I'm out of walk. fast travel packs. I don't I have, have to walk. have to walk. Yeah. Drives me crazy. Let me hack this friggin' mechanical horse so I can ride all the <laughs> way back to the previous town. <laughs> yeah, I hate that kind of business too. But we're doing, we're driving in the cab. I like how we have just. Up and he's like, hey, everybody. You need a ride. <laughs> I, I took an Uber out of the movie, but now I'm back. And then they're driving. They're talking about the tape, and Cabby's like, "Oh, you mean this tape? I traded my hat for it." <laughs> I. 
it makes no goddamn sense, but it also makes none. all of the sense. Because Cabby, like, they, they've shown several shots, like close-up, you know, insert shots of Cabby's tape player. So mm-hmm. it makes sense because he's a cab driver. He's like, I need music for my passengers. And he's constantly playing music. So it's like the idea that he would just want a new tape really does line up. And he mm-hmm. would probably trade something valuable for it because he's listened to the same tape for 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. It makes no sense and also all of the sense. So they're driving across the bridge with the president and a, a mine blows up under them because they, they drive wrong. Because Harry Dean stands in the back seat, like trying to call out directions. Because he says he's like, I'm the only one who knows how to read the diagram. How? How did you possibly? It's it is a bridge, and you marked where the mines are. How in the hell is it possible that you are the only one that can understand a rectangle with X's? This diagram should be three perpendicular lines along a sheet of paper with X's marked on it where the bombs are. It should be pretty straightforward. Yes. Um, but when the mine hits the hits the cab, it's like a theme park show. It just cleanly cuts it in half. It's like a Herbie movie. This it's happens Herbie. literally in Herbie. This exact thing happened in the Herbie movie we did. And Cabby dies. And yeah, I was, I was really disappointed. Really upset. And then Harry yeah. Dean Stanton dies five <laughs> seconds later. Harry Dean I- Stanton's death is hysterical. It's like one of those stunts that NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys would do where there'd be like a special spot on the stage that would launch them and they'd have to like, you'd step on it and it would activate and it would shoot you. It, it, it's literally a, a launcher or um, akin to... One of the zombie movies had zombies launching out of their graves in this exact same thing. It's like a, a compressed air, like, and it, you know, it's a launcher. Oh, yeah, pad. I don't remember what that was, but yes. But but it's just like the the the, the, the Harry Dean Stanton stunt double, like quickly getting onto this thing, getting launched, and then they switching it back to the very unathletic body of Harry Dean Stanton is very delightful to me. Yeah, I was like, basically, it felt like, and I don't want to besmirch John Carpenter's writing. It felt like John got to the end and was like, oh. I forgot to kill those three characters. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Because Andrew Ryder Bode is like, she's like, I'm not leaving him. And he's like, he's dead. And she just puts her hand out for the pistol. It's like, all right, then, I guess. And then she doesn't even do anything. Like, she tries. I th- right. I was like, oh, is Adrian Barbeau going to, like, take out the tr- the car? Like, she's not going to take out the Duke. Obviously, Snake has to take out the Duke. Right, right. Spoiler alert, he doesn't. But I was right. like, oh, she's going to like shoot out the tires and then he's going to kill her on his way to get Snake. Exactly. No, she just gets happen. hit by a car. Yeah, it's I was very so dumb. mad. Yeah, so I wanted mad. her to at least take out the Duke's driver or something to even the odds up a little. Yeah. So they're running. He's to the dragging wall. Donald Pleasance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's basically like by the, the shirt, the, the trench coat collar, dragging him. <laughs> and so. <laughs> They clearly put this in the background and defocused uh-huh. it so that uh-huh. you would focus on Snake. <laughs> yes. But, like, if you've ever seen, a, a, like, a water rescue from a helicopter, they put, like, a loop on a on a crank and they uh-huh. drop it down and you put yourself a in it. A sling. It's like how you get into a life preserver. <laughs> so, in the background... Snake's got his gun. He looks all badass. Out of focus in the background is just... Facing away from camera. Facing the wall. 
arms up because of the the loop around him. Donald uh-huh. Pleasance looks like he's being picked up by a crane game. <laughs> like yes. he has been chosen by the claw and just gets limp, like limp body dragged out. It looks it looks as if he had gotten hit in the head just as soon as he got <laughs> into the thing because it's just like a lifeless body. It's not a dummy. It's clearly a human it's a, body with no person, life in it. But yeah. it's... I don't, it makes me laugh so much. It's very, very silly. It's, the whole premise is extremely silly. Because they don't do the thing where it's like, there's one under your armpits and one for your foot. It's all under the armpits. <laughs> it's all so it's under- just, it's, it looks like when you pick up a cat by the scruff <laughs> of the neck and it just yes, dangles. Yes. So they, f- Snake fights with the Duke and then runs over to the winch. And Kurt Russell's like, I am absolutely not dry- riding this thing that way. So he grabs yeah. it with his hand so he can like walk uh-huh. up the wall like a badass. And yeah. then there's this like insert shot of a hand stopping the winch. And I was like, oh shit, are they betraying him? Yeah. Cause I, I thought that's what this was leading to. No, for some reason, Donald Pleasant stopped the winch so he could shoot the Duke. Right. He's he shoots this guy with a machine. This is the president of the United States. Shoots the Duke with a machine gun and is yelling, Are you the Duke of New York? Are you the Duke? I mean, if you told me this happened a year ago. I mean, yeah. Obviously. I wouldn't. You know. Obviously. <laughs> Don't want to get too political on this podcast. But before that, he was like a pretty boring president man. Yeah. Maybe corrupt. We don't know. The movie didn't tell us. So he kills Isaac Hayes. Yeah. And I was like, the president killed Duke? Snake didn't kill Duke? Yeah, that was very weird to me. So they're like, we're going to do an emergency broadcast. Don't worry, the summit knows about it. (laughs) I was like, I would assume the summit knows the president got kidnapped considering he was supposed to be there. Right, right, right. So So Donald Pleasance is like... It's just such a great image. He's got like it that is. little thing in his collar. They're the like bib. shaving him. A uh, bib, thank you. They're they're like shaving him, doing makeup, like quickly trying to prep him for TV. Like you have three minutes, Mister President. They deactivate Snake's bo- neck bomb, and he gives him the tape. And this is the moment where they like try and color the president, like shade him in to be a, a nefarious person, right? Because Snake's like, you know, people died to rescue you. I was wondering how you felt yeah, yeah, about yeah. that, and he's like. Well, I wish I could thank them. You know, the country thanks them for their service. And like, it's not mean, but it's very callous. It's sort of Absolutely. like... Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, it, it's not outright rude like, or nasty because he's saying, you know, I thank them for whatever. But there's definitely a coldness to it. Absolutely. <clears throat> and I was waiting for a snake to be like, oh, well, then you can name, hear their names, thank them on the air in three minutes. Like, I thought that's yeah. where it was going. But instead, Snake just, like, throws his cigarette and he's like, whatever. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's uh, again, it's just not they live. And it's, it, it's like, flirting with it, but it's not quite there. Yeah. And then the president does his speech, and he's like, and here's the speech I was going to give. And I was like, again, why is it on tape? Why yeah, did you tape the speech if you're sense. delivering yeah, whatever? Yeah. And it's Makes no just sense. big band music. Yeah, I really wanted it to be sillier. <laughs> Like it's, honestly, like it's cabbie's tape. The, in if I were to make a TikTok of this, it would be like WAP. The yeah, president. WAP. I mean, that would be the funny one now. But like, t- I I want something timeless, like a like do the Benny Hill or, music or the the tiptoe through the tulips song. Tiptoe yes, the one by Tiny Tim. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Something sillier would be would be good to me. 
or Melakalikimaka. I think I got my favorite. It's a scary sound effects tape. So it's like <laughs> crash chain rattle. Chain rattle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want Cauldron that. bubble. Uh-huh. Car like <laughs> Yes, that's what I want. <laughs> Just a spooky sound effects tape. Or or I want it to be a, like a Muppets book on tape. Yeah, and so sure. there's a that ding. would also be great. Kermit went down to the bay. Ding. <laughs> Turn to page two. Uh, uh, yeah, any of these would have been good. I, I so, mean, I get what they're doing. It's cabby. It's a nice yeah. little moment. So but. snake, and then it cuts to snake ripping the the tape out of the tape. Yeah, and that's it. He walks off into the. He, the he dusk. says he wants to be Pliskin now, and I was like, I don't get it. Yeah, I didn't. I did not get that at all. Your snake. Yeah, you're sorry. You're snake forever. That's a cool ass nickname. You should keep it. Does do they ever say his real first name? Nope. <laughs> we don't. I'm sure it's a, out there in the in the extended universe, but no. Adrian or whatever the hell. Yeah. No. Uh, whatever the hell. Marion Cobretti. Thank you. Thank you. Um. No. Do you no, think Cobra is because he saw Snake Plissken? Yes, a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's five years later. There's like no chance he didn't think this was cool. Kurt Russell's not even that muscular. Why are you going to do this movie? I'll be a snake. You can't just call it snake, sir. Fine. Cobra. That's a snake, right? Cobra's the scariest snake, I think. It's got well, the you, big hood. Well, you know, he did have a cobra tattoo on his stomach in the movie, so maybe this is not the, the best idea, sir. Shut up, I'm going to start a restaurant. <laughs> uh, the 90s were a weird time. Um, that's the end of Escape from New York. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. Thumbs up, it's fun. It's just, it's not they live enough. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I, I like this movie a lot, but it's it's definitely, it doesn't have the Carpenter personality inserted as much. It feels like just a straight action movie. And as a straight action movie, I think it's very good and entertaining. I just... I think it's missing the carpenter isms that make his stuff great to me. Yeah. Um, in, and in and those are all present commentary. in Big Trouble. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And they live. Right. Which will be on the uh, Patreon later this month. So if you haven't checked that out, everyone at the $5 tier, not they live. Sorry. Uh, I, I was meant, like, I was like, they live nope. already happened. They it, was last, it was last that's listener in, request month. I think that's in the back catalog. It was last listener request month. Um, no, that is not the movie. I was thinking of the, the thing. thing. Yeah. Well, they both they, start they with thing. the 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 the. It both have the the. They have that. So you know. Anyway, uh, I also like this movie. I, I think it's like I said, it's a great entertaining action movie. It's just not as carpentry, and that's I think to its detriment. But it's a, a very fun movie. Not fun, but a, a very entertaining movie. Yes. Um, I, it's fun too. I, I guess it is. I. I like this movie, but it's 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 like this one's only a B, and so it feels like a failure because I like so much other <laughs> yeah. Carpenter stuff. Well, yeah. We talked last week how Carpenter movies are either genre-defining like tent poles, or yeah. they are. Oh yeah, yeah. It's, it's weird though because I think this movie does have a lot of stuff that is like pretty genre-defining. Like people rip this movie off a lot in many different oh, yeah. ways, and and that I think is 
a big part of its longevity, but I just don't like it personally as much as the, you know, some of the other ones, but still an excellent movie. Still a good way to spend a couple hours, uh, tight 90 actually. So, uh, really good uh, way to spend yeah. 90 minutes. If you skip through the opening credits, cause it's like-, like 93 minutes with the credits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're, you're right. It's a little longer. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for listening to the show. Uh, we will be back in two weeks for the start of uh, Old Theme Month coming back. Absent Moa, Andrew programs the show in the month of April. So that will be back on April 4th. So that'll be Return to Oz for Andrew programs the show in the month of April. Which is available on Disney+. Plus. Thank you for listening to the show. I have been Trip Lano. I will always be Andrew Lano. Until next time. Don't you forget about me. Dissecting the 80s is a chum sum of this production. Uh, things we're going to cut out in editing. <laughs> anyway, let's get into it here. It's 1997. Hey. Need to do my thing. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you want to set me up? Yeah, I will do that. Give me. I just got to write down the time code to delete the business. I, to be fair, I only kind of messed up.